We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mr. Roberts, it is mailbag time, my friend, and we are going to rock and roll through these as quickly as we can. <laughs> We're going to start off with a super chat from Raymond Harton, who, by the way, is a member of the message board, folks. So Raymond is one of the many uh, here that are part of the Notre Dame message board. Yep. Thank you so much for the super chat, Raymond. Uh, I've heard that people with R's that begin in their first name are really cool people. So thank you so much for the super chat. Thank you guys. Appreciate all the hard work y'all do. And I know Brian didn't listen to a word I just said because he would have rolled his eyes or said something to me, but yes, I'm trying not to, I've noticed (laughs) that I've kind of chastised you a few times for your, your, your stuff lately. So I'm, I'm trying to get better about that and, um, and uh, not doing that. So good. Good. Yeah. We'll move on to the next question. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash Blue Wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash Blue Wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. 
Go to your happy price, Priceline. Two-parter from question. Rob Osgood. We got two-parter here. Rob says, this year is pivotal. The landscape of college football is wide open. Notre Dame needs to show that they belong. With recruiting and the transfers, Notre Dame should have a breakout season, minimum 11 wins. Question is, how the schedule is laid out, how would you as a coach prepare for the season? Break it down in three-game increments or per game, and how would you prepare preseason workouts? Thank you. Well, I don't I don't think preseason workouts change a whole lot based on how your schedule is uh, situated from a, a conditioning type of standpoint. I think what I would say is, is when you start off with a little bit of a unique opponent or opponents that maybe aren't that good, I think it can maybe change like your install a little bit and and that those type of things could change. And so this year, because you're playing Navy first, you're you're gonna do a lot more of that defensive install for the the option in fall camp where if you played like Notre Dame always will do a little bit of option in fall camp, but it's usually like a few days. Now you're gonna obviously have to commit more to that. And I think that impacts your 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 changes a little bit. But to me, when I look at the season, Ryan, and I know that in the past that that we've seen coaches that have broken it down into like four quarters. Yeah, I'm more I'm more with this particular year, Ryan. For me, it would it, you could make a case that it's it's three. You know, Navy to Central Michigan is one. Ohio State to USC is two, and then Pitt to Wake to Stanford is three. But I, I'm comfortable with the four quarters one because if you break it into the four quarters, and it's which means three opponents at a time, you basically have one really huge game in each quarter. NC State on the road in quarter one. You got to get through quarter one undefeated. You've got to beat Navy, Tennessee, and, and Central and NC State. And you get into quarter two. You got a prep game for Ohio State with Central Michigan. Then you got your money game with, with Ohio State. Then you got your trap game against Duke. So mental focus is going to be huge in the game leading into and the game after the Ohio State game. Yeah. Then quarter three, I would say I would make the case quarter three, you could argue, Ryan, is is going to be the most challenging quarter for a couple reasons. Number one is you have USC at home, but Louisville and Pitt surround that and you're getting a little deeper into the year, starting to get a little bit more wear and tear on you, starting to wear down a little bit. How are you going to be emotionally coming out of that Ohio State, you know, quarter two week? But that at Louisville, home against USC, and home against Pitt is not going to be an easy stretch. And then there's some storylines involved. You've dominated USC the previous decade. But they they had a very convincing victory over you last year. Was that a one-time thing because they had a five-star quarterback, or is that a new pattern that's going to emerge? Right. That's what we're going to find out. And so uh, that's something I'm curious to see. And then you've got the, the Jeff Brom guy that I know wanted the Notre Dame job in the past. A guy was at Purdue. He's coached against Notre Dame. He's now at his alma mater. That's going to be a storyline. Jack Plummer starting for you against you for the third straight year for a third different team, uh, assuming he can you know hold off Brady Allen, who just uh, committed to Pitt. I, I and, saw that. I saw and that. then the Pitt game is going to be the Phil, another Phil Dracovic game. I mean, that's a storyline, especially Phil's healthy going into that game. That If, if, if Phil Dracovic is healthy, that that game gets a lot more interesting. If he's not, then you should blow Pitt out. I mean, you just you should. And then you go to quarter four, which is you kick. This is the one quarter, Ryan, where you kick the quarter off with a big game. You're coming out of a bye week. You get Pitt to end the quarter three. 
and then you go right into quarter four with a road game at Clemson. Yeah. And that's the big one. You win that one, and you should be smooth sailing the rest of the way. With all due respect to Wake Forest and Stanford, those are games that if Notre Dame's in danger of losing those games, we have much bigger problems to worry about. That's kind of how I would um, how I would handle breaking the season down from a my preparation. But as a coach, how do I break it down? Simple. I'm worried about Navy right now. 100%. That's what you tell your player. I'm worried about Navy right now. With my staff, we would look at things like, hey, we're building towards this, guys. We're building our fall camp and our prep going into the season is built towards we got to go down to Raleigh and get that dub. Right. That, you know, I mean, let's be honest. So, yes, we're preparing for Nate, but with my players and with my team and with the media, there's guys. I'm not worried about NC State right now. I'm not worried about Ohio State right now. We we are so far away from being t- from me caring about the USC and Clemson games right now. I, I'm worried about beating Navy, and there's some truth to that. I mean, it it is, and that's why you do focus that way. And then after that, it's like okay, you know, you've you've got the Tennessee State. Hey, I'm worried about Tennessee. And we all know, like guys, come on, no, you're worried about NC State, but they're not going to say it. So there's two ways I look at it. Rob is I'm going to my public per, per, my, what I'm going to say publicly and to my team, and then what me and my coaching staff are focusing on behind the scenes. There's two different ways to look at it. The only thing I'll add to it, because I think there's merit to the quarters, to the three-game stretches. Brian, I am just very happy for Notre Dame's sake that they get the triple option out of the way after game one. I'm so happy about that, man. Just get that out of the way. There's nothing worse than like it being game six or seven where it's like every week you have to do like a period of like we still have to practice against it because we're going to see it down the road get the triple option out of the way and then we'll talk about it in the 2023 offseason at that point like i don't want to talk about the triple option anymore Mm -hmm. if i'm a notre dame coach anyway on this podcast i want to talk about the triple option all the time but as a coach no don't want to talk about it yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> from matt mccarthy since there's a real chance that maris Loyfowl, jack heiser and jd bertrand aren't on the roster in 2024 how much do you think the staff will push the opportunity for early playing time to kingston Villamoasa, uh shaw and chris that's Cole. a kid from alabama chris yes Cole. i know his his yeah. name just popped out of my head for some reason yeah yeah brian shaw right how can you forget that name i know man i know i know i'm sorry uh, to me, the story is a little different for how I'm approaching Cole and Shaw than compared to Kingston because I'm not, I'm not sure that I'm pushing for playing time for those guys as much because I don't know if they're guys that are going to be ready to play as freshmen. So That's my true. my my pitch would be a little bit, but for Kingston, sure, it's going to be a conversation. I'm not overselling it though, right? You know, because look, it's going to be hard for Kingston to step into the starting lineup. Look, there's some pretty highly ranked players and very talented athletes. Uh, above him on that as well and the same is true to Ohio State so it's not like that it matters Ohio State's not promising him playing time you're telling me they're going to promise him that he's going to come in and beat out CJ Hicks and all those guys this freshman year no they're not doing that at least they better not and if they are I don't think Kingston's the kind of kid that will be as influenced by that to be completely honest with you Ryan I I don't know if if that's something that you know like there's some kids you got to be smart about who you're talking to and this is what good coaches understand so if you are a like I've told I've said used the story before with like Liam Eikenberg, and I remember talking to Liam when he was a recruit, and um it's talking about how Urban Meyer kept telling him you're gonna come in and you can start for us as a freshman. And he was like, That was like the worst thing you could do with me is because I 
because Harry Heesan had to convince that he needed time to develop, and there's parts of because that's how Harry recruited. He didn't promise guys playing time. He he hardly ever talked about playing as a freshman. He was I'm going to develop you, and especially you know, at offensive line, man. Yeah, I feel like that's so counterproductive. A lot. Some kids want that. Some I mean, yeah. some kids. I remember talking to remember that linebacker from Nebraska a couple years ago that Notre Dame was recruiting. I was. I was like uh, Devin Jackson, I think, or something like that. He was a really athlete, skinny, athletic kid. But I remember talking to him, and he was like, "Yeah, if I'm not in the lineup my first two years, I'm out." And I'm like, "That's not the kind of kid that I want, you know." But yeah. if you're going to recruit that kid, that's what you got to be talking to him about. That clear, it's important to him is the point, right? And so with Kingston, it, I don't know this for a fact, Ryan. You would know better than I do. He just doesn't strike me as the kind of kid that yes, he wants an opportunity to come in and compete right sure. away. But he's not a kid that's looking for a promise of, Hey, you're going to come in and play as a freshman. No, you know, no, he's much he more like, me. he's much more like full scope of why he's picking a school than anything. Cause yeah. I mean, he's confident himself, right? I mean, Kings is going to come in. It's like a Jaden great house kind of vibe, right, Brian? I mean, it's not, it's not quite like Jaden. Cause Jaden, you could tell was like super confident all the time, but Kings is one of those kids. that's just like subtly confident. And he's just going to be like, yeah, I'm coming in to play. Like who wouldn't type of kid, but he's not going to be like outwardly, like, play me or I'm out of here type of thing. Like, no, that's not good. He's just going to come to work. <laughs> and that's the kids I love is the kids I want to come to work. Yep. I want to, this is a very astute observation here from, um, let me find it here uh, from uh, Gideon Rosa said, Ryan is just ta- loves talking triple option to annoy Brian. I, I think that's a very fair assessment. I, I actually, I actually get it. It's not, it's it's not fully true though. It's not. Fully you do true. like the triple option. You said you used I, to play. I love all playing the against the triple yeah. option defensively. Right. As I, a linebacker, so, sure. Yes, sure. yes. It's that. like I have dive back all day. Awesome, cool. <laughs> That's all I got. Well, here, all day. <laughs> here's another part of why I hate the triple option. So I played cornerback my senior year of high school as well yeah. as quarterback, and so we were playing Liberty Christian my senior year, and that's where Gideon Rosa now or Gideon Davidson excuse me now plays yes. at running back and so they had a they had one of those old AstroTurf fields because this is like 1996 right and so first play of the game they were they were a two tight end double wing triple option team back then Love it. first play of the game they come on a wheel like you know like the 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 back comes on a you know around he gets a handoff he's coming right at me I drill him I drive him into the ground and my arms just go just into the turf and just skin gone. You can actually, if I don't know if you can see it now, but you can see it because I already had bad skin on my elbows anyway because I was a head first slider in baseball my whole nice. childhood. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, just skin was gone. So I had to take my wristbands and put them around my elbows because it was also, you know, those old turf fields, they put sand in them. Yeah. So not only do I have open skin on my elbows, but I have sand. So like, that's why I'm like, okay, so triple option to me, uh, I hate it. Absolutely hate it. So even playing it, because again, right, I'm a quarterback. So now I got to go throw with like ripped up elbows was not a big fan. It's not it, a man. big fan. Cause if I, I was doing it. my job at corner, the ball never was never, I was never up to make any tackles. <laughs> yeah. The only, the only thing I used to hate was when like I play on ball at times and then you would just get your knees taken out all day. They would just cut you mm-hmm. forever. And it just sucks. I hate going against cut blocks consistently. It's not yeah. fun, but otherwise. Yeah. They just departmentalize it, man. By the way, Bradley Shaw. Not Brian yes. Shaw. Yes, it would have been his name would have been way better if it was Brian Shaw personally. But. Agree, yeah. agree. All right, let's move on. Nice attempt to suck up there, Ryan. I I dig it. I dig it. <laughs> <laughs> Rob Husgood said, "I saw news on the board of another safety recruits from North Carolina. Yes, that's Malcolm Ziegler. 
Being from North Carolina, I love the fact they are focused down here. Your thoughts on the new offer at a needed position. Thank you. Uh, Rob, me, me and Brian actually were talking about this a little bit earlier uh, before the podcast even started on the phone. I really like the offer a lot. Malcolm is a 6'2", 185-pound safety that I think projects very favorably to a free safety role in a traditional sense. But in Notre Dame's system, that's the boundary safety that's going to rotate to the middle of the field. It's on, he has He's a very athletic kid springy athlete and explosive and he's got really good ball skills man yeah. i mean he's had i think like 10 or 12 interceptions in his career some number like that like he's a really talented cover player and i mean he's not he's willing to hit you over the middle of the field there was a couple nice sticks on some balls over the middle of the field too so i think there's upside there man he plays a lot of corner for his high school he plays a lot of like cover three corner but he's got good instincts i think i think he's got really good ball skills and he can move so i liked i liked it a yeah. lot actually He's very raw technically, very raw technically. He's just out there playing. He's just out there just playing ball. He's not – I mean, fundamentals need a ton of work, but you know my stance on that, Ryan. I've made that very clear over the years. I do not care, yeah. especially with this secondary because between Mickens at corner and O'Leary at safety, I think they can both coach. Yes, uh, Mickens is much more proven and a better coach than O'Leary, but O'Leary is a good, a good safeties coach in my opinion for what we've seen. But he's exactly the kind of kid that you want to take a flyer on to me. I'm actually surprised they haven't offered him sooner, to be completely honest with you. I think they, there's they, some background stuff they needed to get through yeah. um, that uh, um, I would get into get into it another time. But it was a uh, something that happened that wasn't his fault that you need to at least do your homework on. Right. Sure. And um, and I think they did it because they went down and saw him, what, a week or two Multiple ago. Multiple times. They yeah. went and visited him. At, didn't see him. They went to his high school. Yeah, I should say, uh, but um, um, I, I like it. I mean, this is this is what we're talking about, though, Ryan. This is the kind of was it somebody on the message board said this yesterday. And it was a really good point, and that I that I concur with. He said, "I'll say this about this staff: when they miss on guys, when they take flyers, they take flyers on guys that are long and fast." Yes, and that's a great observation because you're gonna those guys if they hit are could end up being difference makers. Where some of the 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 you know like Drew White was a that's a good solid football player that doesn't get enough appreciation from some Notre Dame fans, but also was a guy that was limited when you played the better team in your schedule. I'm not you can we can have we can do say both of these things. We can say that's not really the guy you wanted to go beat Alabama without then trashing him like he was some bum football player. He's a good football player. That's why he got signed by an NFL team, you know. Mm-hmm. But he just wasn't a guy that you're going to go beat Bama with. Uh, but you know those guys are always going to be a little limited. I want the guys that are going to go out there and say, if he hits, he's a Jeremiah Wusu three-star to star player right. type of thing. And that's what this kid is. His kid can end up never being a anything other than a borderline rotation player for Notre Dame. That, that can happen. But he's also the kind of kid, boy, if this kid hits, man. And that's the thing about Dewan Lane. Dewan Lane's got a little bit of rawness to him. But if he pans out, boy, he is a dude. Yes. He's an absolute dude. And I love guys like that. Well, I wanted, I wanted, I wanted to do a piece, Brian, just on like some of the track times of some of the yeah. targets on the board. It's like crazy, yeah. man. Like they're official they're... track times, not like yeah, stated. Yes. Yeah, yes. Like this kid, exactly. what ten seven six? I think I saw recently ten seven six, and That's then good. I, I mean, yeah, and then I mean, you've Micah Bell obviously was in you know a ten four one kid. I mean, you're talking about the. Walk on safety that's coming to Notre yeah. Dame in 2023 that just runs 10 7 6 as well. Like, Notre Dame's got some track yeah. kids coming this year, man. 
I want to say this. I want to respond to a couple things here real quick. Some slander going on in the, uh-huh. in the chat. Beefeater said, Brian, please tell me you weren't one of those QBs who would fake an injury when he threw an interception. Heck no. <laughs> because to me, you you had, if you intercepted me, I wanted to hit you hard. Uh, and then, and then down here from, uh, Bill, Bill, hold on. No, it, was, it wasn't Bill Washington. I think it was Tommy. It was Tommy guns. Really? Hold on a second. Where was it? Um, uh, he said, wouldn't catch Brian doing Oklahoma drill and dang sure not doing bull in the ring. I absolutely did those drills. There's a difference between not liking contact and not wanting contact. Yeah. I was a quarterback and a cornerback, meaning if contact was happening, something went wrong. Correct. Means yeah. I was getting sacked. I was getting hit. I was getting tackled. Things I don't want to happen because that means I didn't. If I'm not running into the end zone or throwing the ball into the end zone, then the play was not a success, right? And so that was bad. If I was a corner and I had to tackle somebody, it's because he caught a pass on me. It means I didn't do my job. I had no problem with contact. I just was like, I grew up with the positions I played saying, if I was going init- to have contact, it was going to be contact I wanted to in- initiate as a runner. You know, so, I mean, I, I'd ran over a few people in my day in practice and stuff like that. But when you get to games, it's like, well, if, if I'm getting tackled, it's a bad thing. If I'm having to tackle somebody, it means I didn't do my job. Um, but I actually rather enjoyed Oklahoma drill, especially when I could carry the ball. Bull in the so ring's I, illegal in New Jersey now. I don't huh? know if that's illegal. Bull in the should, ring, that's illegal, illegal everywhere. It <laughs> it's illegal everywhere illegal. now. Yeah. It's not something you should do. I, I thought bull in the ring was stupid. Oklahoma (laughs) drill to me is I have no problem with Oklahoma drill. Um, So on that one though, but like I never, I did not like being on Oklahoma drill on defense though. I always felt that was more of an offensive drill, but I Mm -hmm. like getting the ball. Hey coach, let me carry the ball. Let me carry the ball back here. Uh, You get in there and deliver some punishment. Apparently you brought me to IB to bring some toughness onto the staff. Someone said that I didn't say that. So Mm -hmm. Detroit Hunter. Yes. Yeah. You just had to read it out. You had to read it out loud. Didn't you though, Ryan? You had to read it out loud, didn't you? I didn't read the next one he said, which was very disrespectful to you, sir. <laughs> it's all good. It's all good. Um, hey, it doesn't. Hey, if if I was running over five year olds, it's because I was five years old too, man. I mean, I'm just right. saying. I, you know, come on now, give me some love, there, buddy. Give me some love. All right, let's get down up here to uh, some more questions here, Ryan. Next question is from Matt McCarthy. Who says, when talking last week about plays in Notre Dame history, you could change. How about Chris Brown's fumble against Clemson in 2015? Would have been first and goal at the two-yard line, and they'd likely score a touchdown and win. Oh, boy. Um, Possibly. I'm trying to remember. What was the score at that point in time? I I, I was trying to relive it in my head. I I was about to look it up. Yeah, let me – let me let me because ESPN does a nice job with this. So let's go Notre Dame-Clemson box score 2015 because you can see, like, the result of each one. Didn't they have two fumbles in that game? I'm trying to feel like they had a – like, they had – I know that they had, like, the the fumbled kick return. That's what I was going to say. They fumbled on a a special teams Uh, play. Yeah, yeah, that that, uh, ended up – was about to be the backbreaker. Because it was twenty-one yeah. to three, uh, and uh, let's see, yeah, it was twenty-one to three. Clemson scored first drive of the third quarter, make it twenty-one to three. Notre Dame fumbled on the kick on the um, the first play from scrimmage, and um, and CJ Procise and, and Clemson goes down, and they try to throw a kind of a backbreaking play into the end zone, and um, actually, no, hold on, which which is 
I'm trying to remember what, when was it? See, it was I'm trying to remember when it was, but it was, they threw an interception and Cole Luke picked it off in the end zone. So, um, man, where was that play? I can't find it, but anyway, there was a couple times where things happen and you're like, boy, you, you got a chance to, to, to do that. But they, they ended up getting that fumble and fumble, lost that fumble. And then they fumbled a, 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 a return. So it was just, it was a, it was a hot mess. No, it was actually, no, it was the first drive of the second half. CJ Sanders fumbled. They went down and scored to make it 21 to three. And then CJ, San, CJ Procise fumbled the first play, the very next drive. That's how it went down. So they did score after the kick kickoff. Gotcha. And then they, they, they held them on the other one, but they were about to put that game away. And then they had a shanked punt and then Cole Luke ends up picking them off in the end zone. So Clemson had plenty of chances to blow that game out and they, and they didn't and Notre Dame came back, but the fumble, uh, Ryan, it was 24 to 16 and he fumbled with two minutes left in the game. Uh, that would have, let's say they, they get it and go for two and don't get it. It's 24, 22. They forced a three and out. So if you're going down there that next time with the ball, you only need a field goal to win it. And Justin yeah. unit already nailed a 48 yarder in the rain in that point in time. So uh, would have been a big play. Would have been a big yeah. play then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that would have been a big play because now you have a chance to win in regulation with your next drive. The yeah. question would have been, but then now Clemson goes into we got a score mode on their next possession. What happens there? Do they go down and score or not? Because Cle- Clemson had kind of turned to turn the switch off. Yeah, and it's, it's like hard to ass. turn that switch yeah. back on and when you've turned it off, Ryan. When you've got a twenty-one-three lead and you throw that pick, and you're like, hey, you know what? We're just gonna. We're just going to run the sucker out and just get out of here. And it's hard to turn that switch back on. It really it is. is. It is. And so I, I would have, I would have felt good about it. I would have felt really good about it. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Matt, that was, that was a good little memory lane. At, um, yeah. I had to kind of get rejog my memory a little bit on that one. Yeah. The one that gets me though, I've always said is I'd be very curious how that 2014 season would have ended. Had they not choked that game away against Northwestern. Because remember, they only had one loss at the time. Northwestern Mm -hmm. was terrible coming into that game. And they they had so many dumb plays. You had the going for two when kicking the extra point would have made it a two-touchdown game instead of an 11-point game or a two-point conversion and a field goal could tie it. Remember that? They they scored to go up 11, 40 to 29. Mm -hmm. And instead of kicking the extra point to make it a 12-point game, they went for two to try to make it a 13-point game, which is dumb. Yeah, because now by kicking, that now. not yeah. getting the extra point, Northwestern needed a touchdown and a two point conversion and a field goal to tie it. Whereas if you go up 12, they need two touchdowns, two scores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. To, to beat you it was a terrible yeah. call. And then they ran a jet sweep in that game to um, to Chris Brown is the first time they ever handed him the ball on a jet sweep inside the five yard line. And he fumbles it like they just had so much. So then the next week, you barely lose to Louisville. So if you win that game, I think you beat Louisville the next week, and then you get blown out at USC because you're injured. You still finish the year like ten and two, nine and three, and you're feeling a whole lot different about that season than we did when they just completely, utterly collapsed down the stretch of that season and just lost to Northwestern, and they lost to USC, they lost to, and they lost to Louisville, and it just was a, it was just a, a train wreck, an absolute yeah. train wreck. Don't miss those so, days. Yeah. Do not miss those days. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, absolutely. 
Next question from Matt McCarthy again, back to back to back. I think just happened. How would you rank the following safeties that are on the board? Jalen McLean, Marquise Gallegos, Dewan Lane, uh, Davis Andrews, and M- uh, Malcolm Ziegler. Do you think Lane could grow into a linebacker? Could he grow to a line? I mean, he could play size wise if you wanted him to. Look, I mean, Dewan Lane could get up to 240 pounds if he wanted to. It's just. Why would you want to get him up to that? I don't know if he's yeah. the kind of guy that you want to blow up into a linebacker. I don't think that's his game. There's no, there's no need to do it. There's yeah. no need to do it. I don't it. think yeah. that's his game. I think there's he's a, a guy other that I want. safeties that I say, yeah, maybe, but that. I mean, I, I don't know about you, Ryan. I want him playing center field. I mean, that's where I want him. Yeah, I want him using that six three long rangey. Now, look, your safeties are all going to have to play in the alleys at times, but when sure. I go to single high. I want him to be the guy rolling the single high. That's that's where I want him to be. I don't want him on the second level when the ball snapped, unless you're going to blitz him Yeah, as a safety. And I don't have a problem with safety blitzes. I just have a problem with the double safety blitzes that they did and then bringing the safeties from the third level. Yes. You know? <laughs> yeah, you definitely got to time it up a little better than just bringing yeah. guys from depth like that. Uh, ranking those, I mean, for me personally, I would go, Matt, I would go, Jalen McLean, Dewan Lane, Davis Andrews, Malcolm Ziegler, and Marquise Gallegos yeah. would be my list. Grade now. Yes. If we were going to do upside grade, I would go Lane, Andrews, and Ziegler would be really close. And, and then McLean. McLean would be my upside grade. It's fair. But current grade, Ryan, we're, we're on 100% same page. Yeah. Yep. Absolutely. All right. Let's go to the next one. Rob Osgood, in my opinion for this year, is just like every other year. Just win. Beat Ohio State. So the stigma is lifted, and that will get recruits' attention. Yeah, I mean, there's no doubt, Rob. I mean, that's that's kind of what we're getting to, though, right? Like, that's the whole point of it. Like, you've got to have some sort of on-field results that show that you're that team. Right. Not just talking about it. Hey, because yeah. at the end of the day, Ryan, it gets down to the point where everybody talks about wanting to win. You got to prove that you can do it. And, you know, but I, I say you, it can't just be beat Ohio State either. I mean, you can't right. beat Ohio State and then lose three of your next five games and expect that Ohio State game to matter. Yes. Right. The Ohio State game has to be followed because, look, Purdue beat Ohio State. Iowa beat Ohio State with Urban Meyer there. Did that springboard them into national championship status? No, it didn't because those teams didn't build on that. They didn't weren't able to continue that into that next, that next level of, of, as a program. Right. And like Ole Miss beat Alabama two years in a row. They never oh, became man. national Jeff, title. Contender. Jevin Sneed, baby. Jevin yeah. Sneed. Was Jevin Sneed the quarterback? I know Bo Wallace was the quarterback. I, I, th- on one I think them. Jevin Sneed was on one. I think, yeah, I think Bo was the other one. I believe I'm going to, I'm going to look that up. Cause when, when they beat him in, was it 13 and 14? Was that Something like that? No, Something it was like 15 that. and six. I'm trying to remember when Ole Miss beat Alabama. Did Jevin C not beat that though? I thought he did. I know, uh-huh. I know for a fact Bo Wallace was one of them. I, I remember Bo Wallace was he yeah. played outside of his mind for that game. Yeah, I do know Bo Wallace was one of them. Let's see here. So they they beat him in 2014. Ole Miss beat him. Okay. And that was 23 to 17. And the quarterback for Ole Miss was Bo Wallace. Oh. And then they beat him again in 2015, and the quarterback for that game was Chad Kelly. Oh, so I'm wrong. Yeah. 
so yeah, it oh, was Chad uh, Kelly. Guys. Yeah, Oof. yeah, he's still kicking around in the NFL somehow, man. So <laughs> that was one of the biggest game, best games he ever played. Talk about a guy with tons of talent and just not. Yeah. Oh, that the kid right had a, that kid had a rifle for an arm. Oh man. my he gosh, he was athletic. Yeah. I mean, he had a ton of talent. Yeah. Ton of talent. Yes. And All somehow right, he's less in the NFL though, even I with know. his head. So I know. Crazy. It's wild. Here's an interesting one, Ryan. From Cameron Crazy eight one eight. Turning back the clock a few years, why didn't Notre Dame land Peter Skaronsky? Did Jeff Quinn not do a good job, or did he not want him? Didn't they didn't prioritize him? They got on him late. And they were trying to go after some other guys earlier. So they just had some other guys higher on their board and they tried to turn the heat up on him when it was a little too late. And they had already gotten, um, Notre Dame had kind of already gotten, um, or Northwestern already kind of gotten on him. Cause if you remember, that was the 2020 year. Notre Dame got Tosh Baker kind of early. Right. And then uh, I'm going to pull up the offers here because it's it was an interesting situation. And it's one of those ones where I didn't agree with it, but I also didn't kill him for it at the time either. So I, you, you got to be consistent. But I I, un- that, I understand the Skaronsky stuff. Yeah, though, honestly, I do. I do. The, that 2020 year, they were going after like Andrew Gentry. They were going after Paris Johnson. They were going after some some you know pretty highly ranked guys. But I got to take Bryn Tucker, if you remember him. But I got to tell yeah. you, Ryan they made a lot of evaluation mistakes that year because they could have had, here's some guy they Oh, Jimmy Christ was another guy they were trying to get in that class, but here's some guys that they turned down that they could have landed in that class. Peter Skaronsky, Zach Zinter. Mm-hmm. Our two guys, obviously at the top. And then Roger Rosengarten is a oh. guy that they got on late <laughs> as well. Oof. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, that's another one that they, they could have had a shot at. But yeah, Zach Zinter really wanted to come to Notre Dame. And could and, you, Im- yeah. Could, could you imagine if last year's offensive, if last year's offensive line, if, if the 2022 offensive line for Notre Dame was some semblance of Blake Fisher, Joe Walt, Peter Skaronsky, Zach Zinter, and, and Jared Patterson. And Jared Patterson at center. He stays at center. Yeah. 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 Maybe Blake, maybe Blake moves in at guard, at guard or yeah. you move Skaronsky in at guard. Like, who cares? Okay. Yeah. Well, here's <laughs> the thing. What would the 2021 team have? Dude, if they, if that's your offensive line in 2021, Notre Dame's undefeated in the playoff. I don't care how bad of a coach Jeff Quinn was. Yeah, sure. Because yeah. instead of instead of uh, Kane Madden being at guard, you probably have maybe Josh Skaronsky. Love at guard and Skaronsky no, at tackle. Yeah, true. Right? Yeah. And Skaronsky was one of those kids that just came into Northwestern and just knew how to play. Yeah. Like it wasn't he, like a, yeah. you know, he'd have been your starting left tackle to begin 2021. Yep. And you know, Blake probably is at, at, at right tackle. Yep. You know, I mean, it's just, and if Blake gets hurt, then Joel yeah. comes in and then Blake's probably a guard right now. For yeah. Starting. Like, <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. So man, it, it, that would be fascinating. And Zach Zinner's a really good player too for Michigan. The, the right thing, now, really the thing player. for me though, Ryan, is the reason I'm not going to um, look back and crush him for it is because what I don't like is when people go back and criticize a staff for not landing a guy that you didn't criticize them for not landing at the time. Sure. Right. Because like if I'm like, hey, look, this guy is really good. I knew he was really like I will t- till the day that I die hammer Notre Dame for not going after Luke Keekley. Do you know why? Because I hammered him in 09 when they decided not to go after Luke Keekley. But if you didn't like a guy coming out of high school 
and they didn't like a guy coming to high school. And then you want to look back and, hey, oh, you guys did a terrible. Well, so did you. You know, so I, I can't stand that. So I try to be I try to be consistent with that. So if I liked a guy and they didn't, then I'll, I have no problem looking back and saying it was a mistake. But I didn't think Zach Zinter was going to become what he became. And, and I, yeah. I'd have taken him, but I didn't hammer him for not taking him. I understood it because there were some other guys they were trying to get. My concern was you just didn't land the guys you were trying to get. That's that right. was that was the bigger issue. You you failed yeah. to land those guys. Um, I I thought that Tosh Baker was going to be really good coming out of high school, so I can't Certainly hammer you talented. for. Yeah, I mean, I thought he was a better prospect than Roger Rosengarten, so I'm not going to crush you for taking Tosh over him. I mean, oh, it, I forgot I forgot you said Roger Rosengarten. Too. Yeah, oh man, he's good, he's but good. <laughs> he wasn't a better prospect than Tosh Baker coming out. Sure. You know, I mean, and that's the thing is like just that that hindsight 2020 stuff is just not what I want to do. And so if I didn't if I didn't think it was a bad decision at the time, I'm not going to crush you for it moving backwards. And I thought they made a mistake with Peter Skaronsky, but it wasn't it wasn't like I thought it was the mistake that it turned out to be. Like a, that egregious. Yeah, right? like yeah. I didn't see yeah. him being like this future first round pick and oh my goodness, how are you going to how could you do that? Multi-year old American. That. No, it right. wasn't that. It wasn't that kind of mistake. So I'm not going to retroactively beat up Jeff Quinn for it. The, the problem was whatever your strategy was, you executed it poorly because you only landed two linemen. Sure. That was my issue more so than particular players that you passed on. Like I had an issue with Jimmy Chris, the way they handled that recruitment. He commits to Virginia. They back off and the kid eventually flips to Penn State. Well, why didn't you stay on him? Well, Jimmy Chris didn't pan out, but it still is a was a bad recruiting strategy because maybe he'd have panned out at Notre Dame. Who knows? And um, you know that's kind of where that's kind of where I'm at with all that stuff. Now I'm imagining, man. I'm just imagining an offensive line that also includes Roger Rosengarten, just trying to make that fits. Yeah, I mean Peter Skrowski to center. I guess yeah. I don't know. <laughs> not get carried away. It's not get carried away. They like still would have center. Like, they still like would have been coached by Jeff Quinn for most of their careers. So you sure, know. sure. Yeah. Anyway, Blake, Blake Fletcher played some center in high school, right? So yeah. Just throw him in no. there. <laughs> no. 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 It's only a kick. A jump, a block, it's only a serve, it's only a tackle, a run, it's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. All right, here's another one from uh, Cameron Crazies. Cameron said, let's say Kenny Minchie isn't ready to go in 2024 and the staff wants to bring in a grad transfer quarterback. If Dante Moore doesn't win, or sorry, just a transfer quarterback, not grad. If Dante Moore doesn't win the UCLA job and hits the portal and wants to come to Notre Dame, would the staff take him? No. No. Yeah, I don't think so. No, just the the way that whole thing went down, I think the bridge has been burned for Dante to be the quarterback at Notre Dame. Plus, I don't think Notre Dame is going to be looking for a quarterback next year that's going to block C.J. Carr. 
Right. If anything, it, remember yesterday we we're talking about the recruiting for transfer portals, right? Right. A, a lot of it's get a bridge guy, yeah, a guy that comes in for a year or two that bridges you to the next quarterback. And to me, if they decide to go with a quarterback next year, let's say that let's say that Angeli and Minchie just don't develop and they're just not ready to be starters, and and you don't want to force CJ into starting as a freshman to say, hey, we're going to go out and get a veteran guy that's going to come in and and be a bridge guy to to Kenny or CJ the next year. Sure. That's fine. Totally cool with that. I'm not bringing in a quarterback that's going to make that's going to make him sit for a couple of years. Right. And here's the other thing: is if Dante doesn't win the starting job at UCLA with the quarterbacks Over he's going Collins against, Lee. yeah, then yeah. he's just not as good as we thought he was going to be. So now, if the 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 better way to phrase it for me would be if Dante goes out there and balls out, but he just doesn't like being as far away from home. And wants to come back into the Midwest, would you look at him? I think that would be more of a I'd be more, I'd have to at least think about it, but I'd still say no. And I think the staff would say no. Just the way that the whole thing went down, in my opinion. I, I, I don't think Dante would be open to that either, to be honest. No. So because yeah. he was upset about how it all went down. And it's whatever. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah. But um, but his thing is that he said he wants to come to Notre Dame. Would gotcha, staff gotcha. take him? Sure, sure. And I don't think so. I don't think so. I think there was a window for Dante to want it to come to Notre Dame. He chose not to. And then when they went in a different direction, he got upset about it. And I just think that bridge was burned in both directions. And it is what it is. But I have zero doubt in my mind. I guess I shouldn't say zero. I have like a 1% doubt in my mind that Dante Moore is not going to be the starting quarterback at UCLA. Like, I I I think he's gonna be very good as long as he has everything, uh, everything together around him. Yeah, so. if the mindset is correct, and and I feel like he's going to a head coach, uh, he's going to a head coach that to me will be able to tell his dad. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. You know what I mean. Tip like, Kelly is uh, yeah. anything but. Uh, yes. Yeah. Yes. And I think that could be the biggest thing for Dante is he's got to get someone that that becomes the voice in his life that's not his dad. When it comes to his dad can be his voice as a dad, but as far as like directing his future as a football player, I think he's done a very poor job so far. Yeah. And he's put his son in some tough situations. But in the end, I think it's going to end up working out because I think Chip Kelly is someone who has a chance to get a lot out of Dante Moore, in my opinion. Uh, Chip's a, yeah. Chip's an offensive genius. There's yeah. no doubt about that. Yeah, no doubt. Absolutely. So I, I, I think I hope it. I think it's going to work out for him, and I hope it works. I, I like Dante. I, my, my issue is not Dante. My issue is the people around Dante. That yes. was the problem. The problem was yes. never Dante. And now Dante's problem is, bro. You, you, it's time to man up. Put your big boy pants on and start making your own decisions. Right. Like that was kind of my issue. Yeah. But I, I, I Dante's a good kid, man, and I hope he's going to win. I think, and I think he will. I think he will. I, I mean, look, I, he turned seeing him seeing him throw in person was just like, yeah, yeah he yeah, turned Dorian yeah. Thompson Robinson into a pretty darn good quarterback, and I don't a, think he a is. draftable football player. Yeah, so. and and that is impressive to me yes. because I don't I don't see it with him like big arm, but just you know, there's a lot of things I don't love about his game. But to your point, he turned him into a pretty good football player this past year. Yeah, and Dante's good. arm talent is way better than Dorian Thompson Robinson's. I mean, yep. he, who boy. Yeah. And I don't care that Chip Kelly wasn't good in the NFL. You know who else sucked as an NFL head coach? Nick Saban. Nick Saban, yeah. Uh, Steve Spurrier. Bobby Petrino. Right? I don't care. It's, it's a yeah. different game. It's a completely different game. And also, Chip Kelly was actually, 
Chip Kelly actually had two really successful seasons with the Eagles. Then he got in his own way there. Yeah. It was, it was more about point. Chip wanting too much control than that's not a good point. Good it was the non-coach. That's a good point. Uh, Pete like Carroll six, got fired six, twice before he came to USC. Let's yep. not forget that either as a head coach. But yeah, you're right, Ryan. He did go. He went ten and six, ten and six, and then six and nine. So, yeah. And then and then he went. He wanted all the 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 personnel control. He's like, I want to yeah. be the general manager too. And then it all fell apart after right. that. But I mean, he dude, go look at the couple of years that he was there to begin with. He, yeah. LaShawn McCoy's best seasons were there. Yep. Nick Foles one year was like 27 touchdowns and two interceptions. Like yep. there was still some good stuff mixed in there, man. There yep. Was, he's just too much of a, he's just egotistical. That That's yep. his problem. Yep. And then Pete Carroll got fired after one year with the Jets and he went, he was three years with the Patriots, went 27 and 21 and got fired after an eight and eight yep. season. Yep. So before he came to USC. So yeah, that's completely irrelevant. Yes, yes, it is. All right, let's go down here to Mr. Collins. Michael Collins says, is Davis Andrews planning to go on a Mormon mission? If so, how does the factor into the safeties they take in the class? So, Michael, I did talk, I did put this on the message board at boards at irishbreakdown.com, uh, like last week or the week before. So it's a potential for Davis Andrews. It's not a foregone conclusion that he's gonna go on a mission, but he is Mormon and he is exploring the possibility. So nothing is set in stone. No decision has been made on that side, but it is at least a talking point to him and the schools that he's involved with. So it's possible as far as the Mormon mission goes, but it's not something that's set in stone and that he's a hundred percent sure that he's going to do. Jason Smith says, so and if speaking Keanu- of Mormon missions, yes, is- <laughs> speaking of Mormon missions. So if Keanu Kia, what comes back? Does he count as a recruit for this year? Is he still on scholarship or does he have to come back and show he's still the guy they would bring in? No, if he comes back, he'll be on scholarship. I mean, that's just, that's just how it'll be. He has to, if he has, I mean, it's a very fair, I mean, Jason, this is a very fair question, but he would come back on scholarship because if they're not going to give him a scholarship, he'll just go to BYU or Utah or something like that and right. play out or out, out West somewhere. Cause he's a, he's a California native, correct? Yes. So, you know, he may go to UCLA or Cal or something. He, he's not going to come to Notre Dame as a walk-on. Now, Notre Dame, there does have to be an evaluation process for Notre Dame about – because you don't have to honor the scholarship. You could say, hey, look, you know, we think it's best that that you move on or something like that. But they, they could make that decision. But I I don't – I think as of right now, I don't anticipate them – that being the case, Yeah. in, in my opinion. So, um, yeah. That's that's kind of where it's at. His his younger brother, yeah, his younger brother's a pretty talented player as well. So yeah, yeah, he's a. Did you say twenty five or twenty six kid? Right, twenty five, twenty five kid, Josiah Kia. Yep, yep. All right. This is an interesting one, Ryan. Adam Blair wants to know who's the better athlete, Jalen Smith or Micah Parsons. He did add in the chat also pre injury. Pre injury. I think it's Jalen Smith. It's not by a lot, but I think it's Jalen Smith. Um. Jalen Smith is the most explosive linebacker I've ever seen before the injury. If we're talking about in college, because that's the only thing you can compare him to is where they were in college. Micah sure. Parsons continued to get older and more explosive and better in the NFL. But if you look at where they were through three years of college, prior to the injury, Jalen Smith was a more explosive player. There's I think no, it's Micah there's, Parsons. There's no doubt. I don't I think, think it's Micah Parsons. Parsons. Not in college. Not even close? Um, I mean, he went to his pro day and ran a 439. So like. yeah, that's fast. But, I mean, talking about explo- better athlete. I mean, he literally could play defensive no. end, inside that's linebacker, fine. outside linebacker. I mean, that's that's fine. Jalen Smith that's... was allowed to. I'm not saying he's a bum, Ryan. I'm just saying I think. Oh, no, I'm just saying that's close. pretty. 
athletic is all I'm I never saying. said he wasn't athletic. He's very athletic. But I think Jalen Smith was more athletic. That's my opinion. You think it's Micah Parsons. That's fair, but I don't think it's close. I think Jalen Smith, to me, would have been would have put up stupid numbers to combine, like Micah Parsons Possibly. did. But I think he was a I think he was a better athlete. I just think the problem was Jalen wasn't allowed to show it the right. way that he could have. Because to your point, you here's here's what Penn's what did Penn State do with Micah Parsons in college? Played him everywhere. Played him everywhere and let him yeah. attack, right? Yeah. Jalen didn't wasn't allowed to do that. I remember about the only time I ever remember Jalen coming off the edge was a game against Texas in 15 and he sacked the quarterback. <laughs> so you never saw it again. Like, what are we doing here? Um, but for me, it's not it's not close. I think Jalen Smith is well, I say not close, meaning it's clear. It's mm-hmm. clear. It's not that Jalen would have run a four to eight. And so it's not <laughs> close. I'm saying in my it, it, the process for me is it's clear. That's probably a better way of saying it than not close, but I think it's very clear to me. Uh, now college is one thing pro. I mean, we, we won't know. Oh yeah. I mean, that's, yeah. I, I just think it also speaks to Jalen's athleticism that he was able to have the injury he had and still come back and be a solid NFL linebacker for a few years. Yeah. So could you imagine this Ryan? How about this one? Take away that disagreement. Cause we definitely don't agree on that, but it, here's something I think will be fun to think about. What would have the Dallas Cowboys linebacker room look like? If they because they they had Micah Parsons and Jalen Smith on the team for a year, correct? Yeah. What would that have looked like if they had that duo and Jalen never got hurt? Right. And um, <laughs> what's Leighton Vanderesh Vander too? So yeah, it's a lot Imagine of, a lot that of size like and athleticism there, is what that is. I mean, I guess. It, I mean, it'd be a great conversation of like where you would play everyone. I'm like, I sure. guess I would play Michael Parsons as a Sam and then put him on the line of scrimmage a ton and do all yeah. that. I mean, it would have been interesting. How do you fit that trio together though? Or or would it or would it have changed their drafting strategy if Jalen if they got Jalen and he wasn't hurt? It, it would have changed their drafting strategy. I don't think I don't think you draft a linebacker at twelve if you have a healthy Leighton Van Der Esch and a healthy Jalen Smith, right? Like I just don't know if you because I mean I, I would say this Micah Parsons coming out of Penn State. You thought he could play defense like edge and rush the passer, mm-hmm. but you didn't think he'd be what he is now as far yeah. as like 13 sacks in a season. Like I right. thought he was a middle linebacker that could play some on ball, but like, yeah, yeah I don't think, so I don't think you just, I don't think you do the 12th overall pick at linebacker. If you already had two linebackers to that, to that you level, wanna, you want to hear something crazy it's that for about three or four months, Micah Parsons was in the Notre Dame commits chat in his class. That's crazy. He was That's actually crazy. with the class ahead of him. Cause he was what? 2018 class. I think sounds right. Let me look. Yeah, he was 2018. Yeah. So he was in the chat with the 2017 kids for like three, four months. Very early in his recruitment, he wanted to go to Notre Dame badly. Interesting. Interesting. But that was never going to happen. There was way too much going on there that Notre Dame just couldn't mess with. <laughs> he wanted to come to Notre Dame. And I remember talking to, because I knew that because a lot of the commits that I knew, this is back when I covered recruiting, a lot of the commits that I knew were like, yeah, Micah Parsons has been in our group text for a while he really wants to come to Notre Dame it just he, there was nothing the staff could have done about that either Ryan this isn't like they screwed up or something like that there was no way they're going to get that kid to Notre Dame I remember seeing his highlights hey where he's playing a lot he's playing running back at his size Mike it was insane man absolutely insane yeah that would have been um because that would have been he'd have been a freshman in 2018 so yeah. in 2019 and 2020 you'd have had him and Jeremiah Wusukoromo in the same linebacking core 
Imagine him on like the 2012 team when you were still running a three four. Like, oh my! Oh him and Manti, my Lord. <laughs> like, so you'd had. Well, where would you have played him on that team? Would you have had oh, him I, as I, the, the the edge, or would you have had him inside him on next the to Manti? I would have okay. put him on the edge, yeah. yeah. I would have put him on the edge, and then like on sub, I would have just dropped him back to linebacker. <laughs> Here's why I would have put him inside a linebacker. Because yeah. when I look at the makeup of the rest of that that lineup, I'd rather as okay. Knowing what I know now about him, I don't care much for him. But at the time, Prince Shimbo was pretty good as that edge rusher. Was he good. was a better player than Dan Fox and Carlo Calabrese. So That's it would have been like, how do I get the best three on the field together? Would have been the conversation. Knowing what I know now about, about Prince Shimbo as a human being, I'm with you. Put him as the yep. edge rusher. And we'll go We'll go about it that way. Yep. But, uh, boy, that have been that have G- been fun. G- Jason Rose just said uh, Michael Parson, Jock, and Kyle on that 2020 defense. (laughs) Jason, but Michael Parsons opted out, so you wouldn't have been able to see that, unfortunately. Yeah, Uh, 2019, you would have saw it. Yeah, but you know, it's it is interesting. But would he have opted out if he was at Notre Dame? Because remember, the Big Ten kind of canceled the season for a minute there, and some of those kids opted out. And then when they decided to play again, some of them just stayed out. Didn't Ohio State have a kid that was like that that he opted out and? stayed out and then another one decided to come back i don't remember about um, ohio state i remember the major guys that year were Rashawn slater opted out of northwestern J- jamar chase opted out and they still opted out yeah. at oregon yeah the big 10 ones were weird because the kids opted out when the big 10 had said we're not playing so that would have been interesting very interesting yep all right here we go Next question is from Florida Irishman. It says, hypothetically speaking, if the transfer rules were the same as five to ten years ago, who would be on Notre Dame's roster if non-graduate transfers had to sit out a year? Well, I think, Ryan, they would still have the same transfers in, don't you think? Because they're all grad transfers. Who am I thinking? I think they're all grad transfers, right? They're all graduated. They are. They are. I know yeah. Antonio so Carter. It wouldn't affect Notre Dame at all. Really, now, though. where it would yeah. affect it is guys going out. Right. Logan Diggs isn't leaving if he has to sit out a year. Because he's only a third-year player. Tyler yeah. Buckner probably stays. Lorenzo Styles leaves no matter what. He would he'd have gone and sat out, redshirted Ohio State, and and played because which is what he's planning on doing anyway. Yeah. I think it would have. I think he still would have left. I think Prince Colley still would have left. I think he would have. Get a year, get it because he didn't redshirt in 19 I don't, or 21. I don't believe. Didn't he, didn't he play a bunch of games on special teams in 21? Prince Collie? He may have, he may have, yeah. Uh, so you know, I think he probably still would have left and stayed. I think Drew, uh, Matt McCarthy said this. I think Drew Pine probably stays. At least yeah. one of those two quarterbacks stays, in my opinion. But a lot of the guys that left, I don't think for Notre Dame would look a ton different. I think, I think the biggest one would be Logan Diggs. I think that's the big one. To- did Drew Pine end up getting his degree or no? Is, I know that's been I like a back and forth. Know. I'm not sure. I'm not sure either. I don't know. I want, That's a good question because he would have been – so Drew Pine was in the 20 class, so he was an early enrollee, so he had that spring in 20, all of 20, all of 21, and then the fall. He might have been able to get it in three – I mean, that would have been Possible. three years of college plus yeah. summer, right, because you had the spring and then a fall and then two full years. He's at least yeah. close, Yeah, I would imagine. Is at least close. I'd be curious about that one. But um yeah, that's interesting. That's very interesting. So I'm not quite sure of that answer. 
but yeah, I don't think it would look a whole lot different for Notre Dame, honestly. Yeah, I think maybe maybe some of the guys maybe wouldn't have gone in the portal. I don't know, but all the kids they got were graduates, so I don't. I think the only thing I would say, Ryan, is five ten years ago, kids transferring just wasn't as big of a thing. Period. Yes, definitely not the so, volume. Yeah. yeah, but for Notre Dame, you know, I think the incoming would have looked very similar. happening daily we're being conned by the institutions we used to trust the mainstream media is distracting us with meaningless headlines instead of focusing on the harsh realities facing american families time is short before something big happens and that's why so many folks are preparing they're becoming self-reliant by investing in emergency food storage from my patriot supply go to mypatriotsupply.com and secure four-week emergency food kits for each member of your family Each kit contains tasty breakfasts, lunches, and dinners, averaging over 2,000 calories per day. Save $50 on each four-week food kit you purchase. Plus, get free shipping on Ready Hour four-week emergency food kits. You're not ready if it's not Ready Hour foods. At My Patriot Supply, you can also get solar power generators, water filtration units, heirloom seeds, and survival gear. Order by 3 p.m., and your unmarked boxes ship the same day. Shop MyPatriotSupply.com today. MyPatriotSupply.com